Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Judy Sinto. We are going to be talking about Judy's transition from finance at the Fed and Goldman Sachs to Spanish teacher after 15 years out of the full-time workforce. Judy, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you, and I just want to dive right in. Um, And first, just describe for our audience that you started out um, before and after getting your MBA as a financial analyst at the Fed and then in equity sales at Goldman Sachs. Can you talk us through what happened after your time spent at um, in in at both of those employers? So yeah, I was you know working in New York, le- leading a very busy life, um, and I'd also gotten my you know MBA in between. Um, but my first child was born around nine eleven. So at that point, uh, my then husband and I had decided that once he was born, one of us should be based locally. Um, so I had planned to shift into something else in finance after my son was born. Um, but I got very focused on being a mom and volunteering in my community. So, uh, after he was born, I decided to make a full-time commitment to be a mom. So that was the original plan was to do that for a year or two. Um, but then my daughter was born and then I had a third child and things kept getting busier at home. So a couple times I had really thought about going back into work in finance locally, part-time, and explored some different jobs at local hedge funds. But uh, I really was in the thick of it with babies, and that was my core focus. Um, But I will say, had something fallen into my lap at that point in time, I probably would have done it. But I was not actively looking, you know, when my when my kids were little babies. You know. This comment about I only expected to take a one year or two year career break and then it was much longer. We hear this frequently. In fact, I think in, in Back on the Career Track, the book that Vivian Steer Rabin and I co authored before we co founded I Relaunch, it came out back in 2007. Um, we have the line in the book that says, uh, like Rip Van Winkle, you wake up one morning and all of a sudden, That's 10 years so have true. gone by. It's so true. <laughs> and that that is. What happened with me? And I do think, you know, what some of us may have in common is I think I was so type A with my career. And then when I shifted to being a mom, I sort of became a type A mom and was very focused on being, you know, super mom and, you know, breastfeeding and doing everything what I thought I could do the very best job. So I think that I got kind of sucked into that a little bit too, which was great. Um, And I think. You know, I, I do think looking back on it, I, I probably got, you know, over, over invested in that, you know, being a mom at that point, but it, it was a great, it was a great period in my life just being with my kids. Can you talk a little bit about some of the I- intensive and high level volunteer work that you did while you were raising your, your children? So I was, you know, when my kids started in nursery school, you know, I was, the class mom. And then I would get involved with being on committees and doing different things at the schools. I also became the president of the board at my homeowners association. And I got, I did a deep dive into, 
you know, running a sewer pumping station and dealing with speed bumps and getting up to speed on, you know, you know, putting together a referendum for a traffic study and whatnot. So those were the types of things that I was working on um, while, while, while the kids were really little. Yeah. You know, I remember being involved in a redistricting uh, plan that the schools were proposing and the people in our district, in our area of the district were opposing. And I was leading a group of people who were figuring out how we were going to oppose this and what we were going to say in hearings. And, you know, you think about, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about speed bumps and sewer projects and, you know, a, a lot of very complex work that, of course, we were do- doing as volunteers. Yeah. And, and, and again, like hyper focus on really coming, you know, getting up to speed and the ins and outs of all these, all this minutia. And then also, you know, sometimes volunteer work, people can get very, some of these debates and discussions when it comes to your community, your schools can be very heated. um, And, you know, you know, they, they get very involved, I think, more so than you would have expected when you compare it to sort of a corporate setting. So I, I definitely spent a lot of my time um, on those causes. Right. So at what point did you start to think about returning to work? And when you were starting to think about it, did you first think, I'm just going to go back to something similar to what I left? Or did you know that you were going to do some kind of a career transition? I always sort of thought finance. I always thought, okay, of course I'm going to go back to, you know, my MBA. And there were a lot of hedge funds in the community where I lived and that was very hot at the time. And I thought I could, could, could easily segue into that. Um, But honestly, when I, again, the job that I did get at a school did sort of fall in my lap the first time um, because I had a friend who had been working at this school and um, I was an athlete in college. So the job was to be a part-time coach at at this terrific school nearby. And so I started doing that. And then that really was kind of an aha moment when I was out there on the field and at the school and in the fall and thinking how, wow, you know, this I should really think about, you know, getting back into um, academia. And, and I say that because prior to getting my MBA and having the finance jobs in college, I was a Spanish and English literature major. So there was a time before I even got a Wall Street job where I thought about teaching going back in my early 20s. So I think that that kind of that interest got, you know, reignited when I was actually out there in the fall and, 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 and being there. And I thought, you know, I really should think about doing this. So how long had you been um, on career break as, as we may call it before you started the coaching job? So I want to say that was not that long. I started doing that. So I stopped working in 01. And then um, I want to say I started the coaching in the fall of 06, 07. So that would have been around then. And then, um, and then I was doing that for a couple of years, but just happily doing it as a part-time thing. And then I I got pregnant with my fourth child. So again, I sort of put that aside for another couple of years and I got involved with helping out my parents with some family things going on. And, um, 
And then I really started to focus again on wanting to go back to work around um, 2010, which is I actually went to do the charting, uh, charting your charting your course at HBF. Oh, yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, I didn't do it, but Vivian did it. And the case study that was written about my real my relaunch it used to get taught in that uh, charting your course. Uh, it was like a three day intensive residential experience, right? Yes, correct. And so when I did that, that's kind of when I. Yeah, that was a great experience just in terms of doing a brainstorm and really thinking about what I wanted to do and why and my motivation. And I believe, so after I'd had my fourth child, I really think it became clear to me that I, you know, family was still a very big part of my life. And I didn't, I knew I couldn't go, I couldn't be, I was not in the market to do an extreme job, which would have been going back to New York City and commuting and finance. So that's when I started thinking about getting into school. And, and, and I thought about different things I could do at a school, um, which included teaching, but also as an administrator. And then also college counseling was something that was sort of in my wheelhouse. I'd done a lot of, you know, uh, different stages. Like when I was at University of Chicago, I'd helped out with interviewing and reading applications and whatnot. So that was an interest. And that became a, a strand of different things I was looking at at that time. And so did you end up broadening your role at the same school to take on some of these other, these other jobs or did you stop doing the coaching? So yes and no. So what I did is I, I was interested in basically a couple things happened. I, I, I got back into the coaching, I want to say 2010 or 11, I want to say. Um, and then I was also putting my name out there to do substitute teaching and the substitute teaching, again, a great opportunity fell in my lap where I was, it was teaching Spanish for a teacher who was out for, you know, a period of weeks. And that was at another, a different private school. And that was a, a great experience and successful. And that, that's when I really decided, you know, I really think this, you know, this specific skill and being fluent in Spanish and being able to teach language, I thought actually would be, um, I'd have a better probability of success, if that makes sense, because of that skill set um, in terms of getting into a school. So that became a focus. Yeah, let me just take a step back there. So um, you you were a Spanish major in college, and then did you keep up your were you speaking Spanish all of these years or did you have to get back into it? So that's a great question. I had maintained my fluency and and language was a through line in everything that I had done. So for example, when I studied at the University of Chicago, I did something called the um, International MBA program. So part of that, you know, to be admitted, what I also had to be fluent in foreign language and I had to do part of my internship ideally abroad. So I worked for Goldman Sachs in London between my first and second year. And then I was hired by Goldman to actually cover, at that point, I was going to be living in London and covering clients um, on the continent. So Spanish speaking clients. So that was something that I always kind of kept up when I was at the Fed. I had a portfolio of banks um, and I, they'd sent me to Spain to, to be involved um, with like a bank audit over there. So I, I definitely made a point of keeping it in my life. And then when my children were born and I had a babysitter, um, 
it's actually the same babysitter that I've had since 2001, if you can believe it. She's from Peru. And uh, she and I speak Spanish together. Oh, wow. Amazing. That's, that's always been a helpful thing. And I read, I mean, I read the paper in Spanish and I, and I keep up with that. And now obviously as a teacher, all of my colleagues, we speak Spanish in the office. I see. And then what about the teaching part? Like what they, so you get, you say, yeah, I could be a substitute teacher in Spanish. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they say, okay, here. So then how do you like lesson plans? Like, how do you know, like where to start? Did, were the lesson plans already created and you just stepped in? The first experience subbing, it really was kind of a trial by fire. And again, that was a very soft start in the sense that it was a very seasoned teacher who, you know, she had picked this time where she had to be out. She'd had a medical thing and she had everything teed up perfectly. So I really just had to go in there and just pick up what she had. And, you know, very nice students at a very, you know, lovely school. And it was a great way to, to kind of, you know, try it out if you will. And, and, but, you know, even teaching's hard, even when all of it's set up for you, right. It, it takes a certain personality and you have to be able to deal with the students. And again, I think having coached, that was very helpful because I did, I did have an affinity for working with, with kids. And so it all went pretty well, but in terms of to get the skill set to be a proper teacher, yeah, I went and I did um, graduate education courses locally at, um, at Manhattanville. Uh, college, uh, which, which is how I got then my teaching skills like in terms of academic. And can you just tell our audience, like, give an example of what kind of class you took? I guess everything from like, you know, the pedagogy of teaching, things like, uh, I guess, language acquisition classes. I took a class, uh, classroom management, things like that. So really like very hardcore classes in education itself. Correct. Okay. And did you get a degree or was it a certificate program or were you just taking individual classes? So I, um, I did not decide to get a degree because what I decided to do, um, the woman that I had done this subbing role for, um, who was terrific and she kind of was gave me great advice. And I said to her, I said, Oh, I'm taking these courses at Manhattanville. And that was a lot, right. With four kids. And then I was doing the subbing and I'm trying to do these courses and, and she said to me, she said, the best way to learn how to teach is to teach. And I and she said to me, you know, in a, in an independent school, you know, you don't need to have certification. So her thinking was take the courses if you enjoy them. She's like, but you, you know, she, her view was, you know, you obviously have a talent, you know, you know, you know where you're, where you're going. So take the courses if you like them and carry on, but the, getting the degree, I mean, I already have a graduate degree in effect. So her, her advice to me was, if you can do it, if you don't need to do it, you don't have to. And this, the best way to get to where you want to go is to continue to teach. So what age group were you teaching? Um, at that point, it was middle school. So like seventh, eighth. And then I had some ninth graders too. So then what happened? So you had this substitute experience and then it ended because I'm presumably the teacher came back. What happened after that, and how did you end up getting the more permanent and is it full time, the full time teaching job? Yes, full time now. Um, so let me just think. So when I finished that, I mean, I felt so great about it that then there was a part time role that had come up at another local school. So I just applied for it. Um, and again, I had my resume put together, and um, 
you know, I, I had my whole story and I'd had, a, you know, part of the, the graduate education courses is I had an entire, you know, writing sample that spoke to why I wanted to teach and what would make me a transformational teacher. So I had like a portfolio. I was ready to go in terms of interviewing, but I didn't get the first job, right? Because I was not experienced relative to the other people that were applying for it. And then, um, then I, what I did do is I started working with a recruiting firm that recruits specifically for independent schools. And they had to interview me to decide if I was somebody they wanted to represent. And I was. And so that was a great pathway as well to kind of get interviews and learn about schools and what was available. You are listening to 321 I Relaunch. This is your host, Carol Fishman Cohen, and I'm speaking with Judy Sinto, who is a relauncher and a career transitioner from finance to teaching. Uh, so, Judy, just to, just to pick up where 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 you um, where we left off uh, just a second ago, um, when you did you approach this recruiting firm and say uh, that you wanted them to represent you, or how did that happen? So, yeah, um, and again, in speaking with people that were kind of teachers. Um, and I had, yeah, so one of my, I became very friendly with a woman who was a teacher who also had taught some of my kids and she had suggested this particular firm. And so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what happened. They have a website. I logged in, I, I, you know, did the, the beginning steps and then they kind of called me and interviewed me and I was, and I was then one of the people that, you know, that they were representing. And that's how you got your next job? Like they, they had you on a slate of candidates? Yeah. So interestingly, yes, correct. So then I want to say, then within a year or so, I actually got, I mean, I got a ton of interviews. I got a lot of interest because, you know, independent schools are pretty terrific with career changers. Like they see the value in people that have had other industry experience. Um, it just tends to be hit or miss, right? Because you know, different roles become available at different times. And certainly with language, you know, it's just a matter of whether or not they have an opening. Um, and then specifically what levels that they're trying to teach to. And also, you know, geographically, I wanted to get something close to my home, which I think is such a key. And I know you talk about that in your book, but, you know, proximity to home for a mom with four kids is, I just think, a crucial ingredient to, to having a successful experience. So that was a really important part of my process, making sure I could do that. So I got a great full-time job offer actually, which initially um, I was going to take. And then I decided not to take it because the commute would have been too much. And I knew that and I knew my limitations. So I did not want to get into you know, the first year of teaching anywhere at any age. I just think it's the learning curve is straight up and it's, it's intense. Um, so I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that and have a big commute. So I waited till I got a, a, a better offer. Um, at actually that original school that I had interviewed me, uh, they ended up giving me the job that I have now. Ah, and can you describe what your job is? Sure. Um, so I teach, I'm an upper school faculty member, um, at a school called Sacred Heart Greenwich, which is a fantastic school. Um, and they've been wonderful and great, great students. So, uh, my, my job is I, you know, I teach four classes. I'm an advisor. I also coach lacrosse and I'm involved with other aspects of school life. 
you know, in terms of working on committees and I'm helping to launch a new academic program. Wow. That sounds so interesting because it's such a mix of a lot of different things. I'm definitely, I'm definitely engaged. And I think, you know, the thing I like about teaching also is that, you know, it's a noble profession. And on some level, you know, even when the days are, the days can feel long, you do feel like you're, you're doing, doing good in the world and helping people to learn. Um, and it's also stimulating, you know, I'm, I'm an intellectually curious person. So I, I enjoy the process of, of learning new things and finding a way to teach those to my students. You know, we talk about academia as being an excellent uh, field for relaunchers, either, you know, at any level, it could be K through 12, it could be the college level. There are all these roles that um, are administrative, there are the teaching roles, like you just talked about this, having a mix of roles. Um, you're, you're teaching Spanish, you have the uh, coaching role, you're heading up a project now. Uh, so a lot of good opportunity for people who are previously in business uh, to make this transition. Yes. And I, and I think also, you know, again, I think so many of the MBA skills are so helpful in a teaching, you know, environment, which you wouldn't necessarily think, but just, um, you know, just being somebody who's very responsive and I think, and I've been client facing, I think interacting with parents, that's so important. Um, and then also just, just, you know, I'm, I'm just very detail oriented. And I think that's a very important skill, certainly in teaching today, 21st century learners. I mean, every other day there's a new technology and you have to be an early adopter and you have to be able to go out and be able to learn things all the time. And the other thing that's, that's interesting about it is, and you've demonstrated this, is that there are opportunities for the like the substitute teaching or at the college level to be an adjunct lecturer to have this opportunity to do something that is almost like an internship in a way it's it's a short term opportunity to get in there and um you know do your best work and it often can lead to more opportunity uh, and then allows you to, as the relauncher, to test it out for yourself and, and think, especially as a career transitioner, is this a field that I really want to be in and spend a lot more time in? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I think there always are opportunities to, you know, it might not be the exact thing in the exact place you want, but I mean, I think those, those short-term you know, chances are a great way, as you said, to confirm whether or not this really is what you want to do. So I think having had that was was very beneficial for me. Were you the only relauncher that was um, in that works in the school? And were you regarded um, with interest or with curiosity? Or you know, when you came on board, like people are like, wait a minute, you you didn't teach before, and you've been you've been doing all this volunteer work. And now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're here. Did, did you have any of those conversations or not really? You know, not really. I think. And again, once you're in the door and you're teaching and people see that you're hardworking and you're getting the job done, I don't know that people are necessarily, um, you know, checking in on you. And I've, and I've also found teaching is like an interesting profession in that everyone, you know, like we're all, we all have a different schedule and like there's, you know, you're so busy going from class to class and prepping and then correcting and then 
there's not a whole lot of time, like, like where you're sitting around chit-chatting. I feel like it's, I'm very, I'm moving and I'm busy all day long. Um, I will say, you know, again, it's, there, there are times when I think, um, let's just say, you know, my style, I, people will say that I'm very businessy. And I think that that is meant as both a compliment and it's also meant as some kind of veiled sort of, you know, uh, you know, maybe that in some way that I'm not a true academic, but, but that doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? I, mean, I think people, people get territorial in any type of professional setting and you just, you let it roll off, you know? But I think I am, I, my skills are valued. I just, it's, you know, maybe at times that might be threatening, you know, because I'm quick with the putting together a deck and presenting. And these are areas where I feel comfortable. And I don't know that that's the case with, you know, every, every other teacher. But um, I think it's helpful. And I think it also is helpful in terms of being viewed as someone who might have the potential to move into an administrative capacity in the future. So I think that that's always, you know, nice people to see you doing different things. And I'm somebody who likes to wear different hats. And I think that that's a good thing. And can you just tell us what your hours are and what your schedule is Monday through Friday? And then when you're home, are you working in the evenings, correcting papers or like, what's the flow of your day and your week? Yeah. And again, this might also be my style. And again, so now I'm in my fourth year. So I really do feel like, you know, secure with my methods and materials. Um, but I'm somebody who's always developing, you know, new curricular ideas. And I think that that, you know, that, that, that's, I, sometimes that, that just takes a lot of time, but I would say, I love to get to work by seven thirty, and the first bell, you know, is really like eight twenty. So I try to get in by seven thirty, and then, um, you know, I have to stay until four and if I'm coaching, I'm there till five thirty. But um, I tend to stay until at least five every day, just because I need that time after the school day to kind of, you know, make sure I've posted homework and and you know responded to emails and just gotten myself ready for the next day. But the hardest part, I feel like, definitely a lot of time in the evenings with corrections, and um, and again prepping, and I'm constantly looking for new materials and reading things. So I it's when I, during the school year, it really is um, a sprint. I'm, I'm I'm working all the time, and then on the weekends, I will always spend a part of my Sunday, um, you know, correcting. Um, but the great thing is the summers, and I think that was also for me and my family situation a terrific draw um, in terms of the teaching lifestyle. Is because in the summer you really do have, you really are off. Um, which has been great just to be with my kids and have that time. Cause I have four of them and I also have my family. So I'm now living in New York and my family is in, my parents are in the Boston area. So it allows me to spend, you know, nice chunks of time with them up there, which, which is very important to me. And then any other comments about like how your family reacted to you going back to work? Was it kind of seamless and invisible to them because you did the substitute teaching and then you then some time went by and then you got this role and then you, you know, the coaching and you added something like little by little, or was there a period where it was all, all of a sudden they're like, wow, you're, you're really back and our lives are different now. And, and we, you know, the whole um, sort of 
uh, pace of family life has changed. Yeah. I would say it was pretty invisible to them. I mean, again, I, like another critical ingredient, I would say as a relauncher, like the, the first one is the proximity to home. But the second thing is, is having great, you know, great backstop in terms of childcare. So I am so fortunate to have had this wonderful babysitter The you know, for, you know, my son, my oldest son is now 17. And so she, and we have worked together for almost 17 years. There were a couple of years in there where she, she took time out to have her kids, but, um, the trust that's there and the flexibility and she's able to help in the morning. Sometimes she can be there to, to get my two younger boys off the bus. So that's been amazing. So I feel that because she has been a through line as well, they feel, you know, they feel secure. Right. And I'm, and I'm, again, the school where I work now is 10 minutes from my house, which I just a dream. So I do feel like last week I had three kids home with the flu. So I was able to, during my lunch, you know, drive home, check in on them, take people to the doctor and, you know, stuff that has to happen when you are in a crisis situation like that. But I didn't have to miss work. So it really, it really, um, again, just made me very thankful for my situation and, and enjoying, you know, loving where I work and, and having uh, that support. So that was great. Very interesting. Thank you so much. Um, Judy, I want to ask you, we're winding down now. We're actually out of time already. Um, I wanted to know, um, uh, to, to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? I think for me, the advice would be this, that, you know, you just have to keep at it. And I think for me, I found trying to break into teaching uh, at an independent school far more difficult than getting a job at Goldman Sachs. And the reason for that is twofold. It's number one, I was it was a career changer. But number two, I, you know, you know, I'm middle aged now, and I think any time, you know, you're no longer um, an entry level employee, you know, meaning you're just coming out of college, you're just coming out of business school. I think it is harder. And I think that I didn't anticipate that. And so I did feel like, you know, I put out a lot of feelers. And again, I was much more, I think I had a lot more, I had a lot more criteria that, you know, constraints on my end in terms of where I wanted to be, how I wanted it to be. So then it made the process of finding the opportunities harder. And then once I found things that I, I thought was that, that were interesting to me, there wasn't necessarily an opportunity or they might not have wanted a specific path. Like for me as a, as a language teacher, so many schools want only native speakers. So I'm not a native speaker. You know, I've advanced proficiency and fluency. And I think there's so much to be gained from having a, you know, a person that's also had to achieve and attain fluency as a non-native speaker. There's, 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 there's great, there's, there's things, there's tools I have and ways I can teach that a native speaker cannot. And I think that there's benefit in both. But I really struggled with, wow, this isn't as easy for me. That I always felt like I, I just had this, I don't know if it was luck or just for me getting jobs and job offers in my 20s, it just felt like it always clicked. So I, I tended to walk into this experience feeling like, okay, 
So the sub, the subbing role kind of fell in my lap. So of course, you know, something else will too. And eventually things worked out and I'm, and I'm very happy, but I will say it, 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 it was, you know, it was not a layup and that from my personality. And I think, I don't know, like that was, that was a new feeling for me. And I think that that's, that's the deal. I think also just when you are in middle age and you're making a change, I, I also think also when you're trying to get into an organization and you come in with different life experience, you know, organizations for different reasons may or may not want you. Um, and you might be a threat. You know what I mean? Like there's reasons why people don't get hired and it's not always because they're not qualified. It might be because you're too qualified and you just have to kind of keep your head up and, you know, just to stay, stick with it. Right. That's perseverance piece is so important. So I'm really glad you're emphasizing this um, at, at the end of our conversation. Thank you, Judy, so much for joining us today. Thank you. Great to talk with you. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.